She did not leave the school until an hour after the last child had gone home. But for all that, she was departing early. Most school days, she was required to stay until five, for the 50 or so children who hung around for extended hours while their parents worked. Today, everyone was gone by three. After she shut off the lights in the nurse's office, she stood at the window and looked out into the playground. There was a black spot by the jungle gym where the fire department had hosed away the charred bits that couldn't be scraped up. She had a premonition she would never return to her office and look out this window again, and she was right. School was suspended statewide that evening, with assurances they would reopen when the crisis passed. As it happened, it never passed. Harper imagined she would have the house to herself. But when she got home, Jacob was already there. He had the TV on, turned low, and was on the phone with someone. From his tone, calm, steady, almost lazy, a person would never guess Jacob was in a state of excitement. You had to see him pacing to know he was keyed up. No, I didn't see it myself. Johnny Deepineau was down there in one of the town trucks, pushing the debris out of the road, and he sent us pictures from his cell phone. It looked like a bomb went off inside. It looked like terrorism, like, hang on, Harp just walked in. Her husband lowered the phone, pressed it to his chest, and said, You came home the back way, didn't you? I know you didn't come through downtown. They've got the roads all sewed up from North Church to the library. The whole town is crawling with cops and National Guard. A bus exploded into flames and crashed into a telephone pole. It was full of Chinese people infected with that shit, the dragon scale shit. He let out a long, unsteady breath and shook his head, as if it shocked him, the nerve of some people, igniting in the middle of Portsmouth on such a nice day, and turned from her, put the phone back to his ear. She's fine, didn't know a thing about it. She's home and we're going to have a good old shouting match if she thinks I'm letting her go back to work anytime soon. Harper sat on the edge of the couch and looked at the TV. It was tuned to the local news. They were showing footage from last night's Celtic game, just like nothing was happening. Isaiah Thomas rose up on his toes, fell backward, and let go of the basketball, hit a shot from nearly half court. They didn't know it then, but by the end of the following week, the basketball season would be over. Come summer, most of the Celtics would be dead, by incineration or suicide. Jacob paced in his rope sandals. What? No, no one got off, he said into the phone. And it may sound harsh, but there's a part of me that's glad, no one to pass it on. He listened for a bit and then unexpectedly laughed and said, who ordered the flaming poo-poo platter, right? Huh? His pacing had taken him all the way across the room to the bookshelf, where there was nothing to do but circle around and come back. As he turned, his gaze drifted to Harper again, and this time he saw something that stiffened his back. Hey, baby girl, are you all right? He asked her. She stared at him. She couldn't think how to reply. It was a curiously difficult question, one that required a certain amount of introspection. Hey, Danny, I have to go. I want to sit with Harper for a minute. You did the right thing, going to pick up your kids. He paused, then added, Yes, all right. I'll send you and Claudia the pictures, but you didn't get them from me. Love to you both. He ended the call, lowered the phone, and looked at her. What's wrong? Why are you home? There was a man behind the school, Harper said, and then a wedge of something, an emotion like a physical mass stuck in her throat. He sat down with her and put a hand on her back. Okay, he said, it's okay. 
The pressure on her windpipe relaxed and she found her voice, was able to start again. He was in the playground, staggering around like a drunk. Then he fell down and caught fire. He burned up like he was made of straw. Half the kids in school saw it. You can see into the playground from almost every classroom. I've been treating kids in shock all afternoon. You should have told me. You should have made me get off the phone. She turned to him and rested her head on his chest while he held her, his ropey arms on her shoulders. At one point, I had 40 kids in the gym and a few teachers and the principal, and some were crying and some were shivering and some were throwing up, and I felt like doing all three at the same time. But you didn't. No, I passed out juice boxes, cutting-edge medical treatment right there. You did what you could, he said. You got who knows how many kids through the most awful thing they'll ever see in their lives. You know that, don't you? They're going to remember the way you looked after them the rest of their lives. And you did it, and now it's behind you, and you're here with me.